Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 213. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have a returning guest, Eric Cunningham. Hey, Kip. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be back. Well, the pleasure is mine, because today we're going to be talking about how the fear of failure relates to and interacts with learning. And this is something I've thought a lot about because vulnerability is one of my favorite topics, as recent episodes of the show would reveal. And to me, vulnerability is essential in learning, making yourself open to the world and admitting, I don't know everything. And in fact, there's probably more out there to know than my mind could ever contain. So let's have at it. But I think for a lot of people, that excitement doesn't exist. And a hypothesis I have is that so many people are scared to ask questions that might make them look foolish or that might lead others to criticize or punish them in some way. And that leads to an unhealthy relationship, a fear of failure, of course. And I would love to know right off the bat if you agree with this hypothesis, if you think it could be strengthened or corrected in some way. No correction needed from my perspective. In my opinion, the fear of failure does have a lot to do with deficiencies in learning and inability to be vulnerable, like you suggested. I also think that vulnerability is essential to learning. Maybe the most essential aspect of learning is being able to ask questions about things that you're curious about, things that you don't already know. Without the ability to do this, you really can't even begin the learning process. To me, it's key that you said the learning process. Because fear, like other emotions, exists inside of you, and it may manifest in ways that are visible and palpable for others, but the fear of failure is an internal barrier. And when you say learning process, I'm immediately brought to the perception that fear keeps you at the starting line and won't let you get any further. Maybe, in this metaphor, won't even allow you to show up to the race, prepared to actually run it. And so if you have this fear of failure, you don't even appreciate how complex, thorough, and enjoyable learning can be. And I think in that regard, it's not only that fear of failure might stop us from learning, but might prevent us from trying it out or appreciating what it really is. To add another metaphor, if someone's a picky eater, they might already have some foods they enjoy and others they don't, but if they're presented with a new food they've never tried, there's a decent chance, because they're picky, that they won't even attempt to eat it, and as a result, they won't know how they feel about it, whether or not it informs their palate, etc. And to me, there's a similar phenomenon at play with learning. That's right, Kip, I agree. I think that fear is a huge inhibitor to learning. I'm thinking back to examples in my past and my present when I've attempted to learn things and it either has gone well or not gone well. Two things that I can think of are languages and sports. I've learned a few languages now, and I think I've done well with language because I'm always willing to try a new language, even if I'm not inherently good at it. I think it's really important when learning languages to attempt to say or write what you're trying to communicate, even if you're not exactly sure how to do it. That can sometimes lead to embarrassing situations if you mispronounce a word or if you use the wrong word. But I think especially in language, failure is a very important teaching tool. 
And I was lucky enough to have teachers that really encouraged this kind of trial and error sort of learning. In my Spanish class, even if I didn't know the word for library, I was encouraged to say book house or building with books in it. And then eventually I learned the word for library. And because this risk-taking behavior was encouraged and tolerated in my early language courses, I think I developed a mentality of acceptance of this kind of ambiguity and uncertainty. However, one area where I never learned this kind of acceptance was in sports. I've never truly been inherently good at sports. But like most American children, I grew up playing baseball, soccer, football, typical sports. And in every sport, success is rewarded with trophies, records, and different kinds of accolades and encouragement. However, since I didn't start inherently good at any of these sports, I never got these kinds of trophies and encouragement from the beginning. And I think that shaped my mentality around enjoying and participating in sports. Because I lost at basketball more often than not, I decided I just simply wasn't good at basketball, and I stopped playing basketball, which of course meant that I never got any better. I would say that fear had a large part to do with that. I was afraid of losing and looking like a loser to all my other friends, so I just decided to not participate. If I had instead seen my weakness in basketball as a learning opportunity, and I practiced every single day, and I had the best free throw, then maybe I would have gotten better. And eventually, I maybe would have thought that I was good at basketball. And now that we're speaking about it, I actually think that failure is an important teaching tool in all areas of learning. Language and sports present such rich examples in this topic, so I'm really glad that you bring them up. To start first with language, what to me is so beautiful about it is that language, as the epitome of communication, represents the trials and tribulations of experimentation, in a sense, because words have always come out of the nebulous experiences that human beings have. And so where you might say bookhouse or buildings with books, to eventually get to library, that's how a lot of learning happens. You don't walk before you can crawl, and you often don't run before you can walk. These are all processes, and I think in our culture of instant gratification, we often overlook how long it can take to truly learn something and to appreciate the skills that build up to more complex or perhaps more glorious skills at the end of the road. And as I've spoken a few other languages in my life, I've found myself reluctant at times to say the wrong word or certainly to speak in the wrong accent. But living in an urban area, I've met so many people for whom English is a second language, and it's really informative to speak with them and watch how often they apologize or hesitate because they want to speak English quote-unquote correctly. When to me, it's impressive if you know more than one language at all, and a lot of the people I'm speaking to have an excellent grasp on the language, and I think are more often in their heads than they are perceiving the truth of the situation, which to me is a kernel within this topic that so often we're afraid of failing when we may be doing an excellent or at least an adequate job. And it's our own combination of ego and doubt and fear that gets in the way of our ability to really understand what's going on, which is often that a very capable human being is demonstrating their own capacity. And I think that's beautiful. And then the sports example is similarly profound to me because in so many sports, there will be a winning team and a losing team or a champion and the people they've defeated. And so in sports, there are going to be losers. 
But I think that's such a reductive way of thinking about what it means to participate in a sport. And also, if you're a member of a team and you are, let's say, the weakest link, the player on your basketball team with the least skills or the least coordination, if it is a team or a sport that's really about the game, you should have teammates who are excited to or at least willing to teach you and show you what they've learned especially in team sports, because that will make your team better, and therefore, you're more likely to win. But I think individualism also plays into this topic, because collectively, at least in my view of society, we should all want to be learning about one another and the world, and in a non-patronizing way, we should want to share the information that we have with other people. In medicine, if there were someone who were hoarding a vaccine or a cure to themselves, we'd be deeply upset with them because something they learned was not shared. And while other examples may not be so dire or dramatic, I really think sharing learning helps to minimize any fear of failure because it might also remind us that we all come from places of ignorance to start and we are all learning. In the example of a classroom, the person who usually knows the most is the teacher. And that's okay that the majority of the students, the people in the room who are there to learn, don't know. There is something humanizing and humbling in educating others. One idea that you brought up that really stuck out to me was the idea of individualism. Because I think that's something that our society really values and really shapes our learning culture. Having an answer that's wrong or having an answer that is different than other people's answers is not perceived as a negative thing in American culture. However, in other cultures I'm familiar with, that's not the case. If you are sitting in a Korean or a Chinese classroom, it's much less acceptable to give an answer that's not written down in a textbook already for you to learn. For that reason, the learning style is much, much different. Exams, homework, and even in-class interactions in American culture promote analytical thinking and even thinking outside of the box. I've heard many teachers tell me that there is no right answer to a particular question on an exam. And essays often encourage people to write their own ideas, an idea that has never been written before or an idea that's different from someone else's. If I can use more of my personal experience, someone I know very well is from South Korea, and she has a lot of difficulty answering American exam questions because they're so open-ended. And the learning style that she was taught really values having the correct answer, the answer that is taught in textbooks and by your teacher. So American writing prompts that encourage you to think and write ideas that maybe don't exist already are very difficult for her. And she finds that to be one of the hardest things about the American education system. Whereas you and I might find that completely normal. I find it really interesting that you think our system encourages open and critical thinking, which may be the case to an extent. But I think back to countless experiences I had or observations I made, especially in grade school, where thinking and answers didn't really matter as much as the grades themselves. And that's a topic we've tackled on this show. But I think that outcome causes people to fixate on how they perform as a student rather than how they think or learn as a person. And to me, that kind of a phenomenon is really insidious, whether it's planted there by others or something we simply absorb from our culture. I think to learn is to use your senses and capacities to consider life around you. And for other people, or even your internal demons, to introduce fear into that opens a rift between the self and its source of nourishment in the world. And if anyone listening finds that example to be a bit too saccharine or overly poetic, 
I would add that some of the most important inventions, which are just learning given form, came from accidents. If we all had a heavy and pervasive outlook of missteps as failures, the world might not have x-rays, penicillin, matches, or safety glass. To experiment with ideas and knowledge is to recognize chances for grave failure and encouraging success. But I don't think people see the latter often, and when I think about many people's experiences with learning or education, which I don't think are synonymous, I perceive an atmosphere of staying alive, getting by, being adequate, because it's stressful for a lot of people. And I do respect that, that not everyone's going to have a love of learning. But in my worldview, that is the natural way to be, to enter the world. And I think a lot of us have it beaten or stripped out of us. And that really saddens me. Well, Kip, that's why I really enjoy coming on your show. We can each be ignorant in our own way together. And I think conversations like these are also very important for learning and not being afraid to have a perspective that's different from somebody else's. And I'm glad that we can both be ignorant together, but of course, we have listeners to think about. And so before we conclude this episode, what would you like them to continue to think about after listening to our discussion? This discussion really made me think about learning processes in my own life. So I would invite listeners to also think about their experiences with learning and to think about whether they tolerated failure or whether they let the fear of failure inhibit their learning. And I would also like for listeners to think about ways they can foster an acceptance of their own failure and those around them. And I'd love the audience to think about if the fear of failure has ever held them back or in some way motivated them to succeed in a nuanced or innovative way. I also really loved your examples, Eric, of language and sports. And I'd love to know if the audience has other areas that feel particularly tied to this fear of failure in learning. And lastly, though I might have a negative perception about how the fear of failure affects learning, I'd love to know if anyone sees it as an important form of motivation. And of course, Eric, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts today. Thank you. Absolutely, Kip. It's been my pleasure. Thanks again for having me. But as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, opinions, or feedback of any kind, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon, where you'll receive perks like bonus episodes in exchange for your support. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.